You were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast vision where it had not yet landed. You are not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty, see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and inspire. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. We are on location in a windy theater in Minneapolis. It's minus 400 degrees outside. I saw a frozen polar bear on the street. And And I've noticed that Luke has been wearing the same clothes for the last six weeks. Yes, and I ate half a burrito today. Yep. And his hair looks amazing. You tell me which hair is nose hairs? Yes. Because his hair on his head is not looking so good. (laughs) Oh, it looks incredible. Looks like a man full of confidence <laughs> and some fresh moose. He's brimming that's with right. a life well lived. Yeah, uh, there right. you have you it. Have, your hair's like Rin Tin Tin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> interesting. Uh, I mean, let's, we're going to talk about yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's be real talk for about a Rin Tin okay. Tin. Uh, if there's anybody I'm compared to, I feel highly honored. It's like a leather skull cap. You just yeah. plop that on in the morning. <laughs> that is bazam. what's so beautiful about it. <laughs> Lock it into place. Good to go. Yeah, uh, we've got fantastic. the Foo Fighters, you got the Hobo. And then you've got all those people in Canada that can see it in the dark yeah, because yeah, of your right, contribution. Of, yeah, my oily skin contribution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this oh, is just again. Forehead Lovely. fracking. Woo! Forehead fracking will solve the energy problems of this world. All right, enough of the rash. Okay. So you had to listen to the last one to understand what the heck that means. But either way, it probably don't matter. Yep, probably don't, don't make matter. sense either way. So this half, provoke. half of the words you say, they don't follow. So they just go like, oh, okay. Mine? No, oh, my okay. words are eloquent, you well-spoken, pithy, when I relevant, first, When beautiful. I first met Ben, I yep. knew he was going to be doing podcasts because he could speed talk yep. like no one else I it's knew. It's called really. random talking. Yeah, like, random let me give an example. Too. And there are was, three things I love. pretty funny. Russians who dance, a foresty compliment, monkey who spits. A monkey who spits? That was terrible. I didn't hear I'm a so monkey tired. who spits. I heard, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, either way, it's true. You, you shouldn't tell our listeners that you're tired. All right, let's That's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast, calling followers of Jesus to radical faith in secular culture. That is our hope. That is our aim. Uh, this is part four of a four-part series that we are in the middle of doing right now. I'm tap dancing because I'm trying to remember the name. It's Hold Fast, Fight Hard, Stick Together, based on, now I'm scrolling again because I forgot it again, Hebrews 10, 23, 23 through 25 that I've read many times in a row. Can I read it this time? Yeah, you can read it this time. But before you do, oh yes, before you do. David's Random Story. So anyway, um, I don't know if you realize this, but Ben is my son. Wow. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> All this time. No. You guys are family. I know. I know. I, know. I always believed He's I evolved from a chimp. I yes. feel betrayed. Yeah. <laughs> and now also, a lot of things start to make yeah, sense. Yeah, Luke always yeah. thought he was he was my wow. son. Yeah. And he is. is and now, so who's my dad then? I'm shocked. Huh? Uh, you have to Whose talk son to am mother. I? I'll but so shocked. anyway, I uh, I was like, uh, Ben and I have another son named Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is this? You the biography of yeah, yeah, so, no, I have to give. I have to give. <laughs> a weird one. Hey, thanks, Ancestry.com. I have to move on. I have to bring some context. So, okay, okay. When they were younger, they were always fighting. I yep. mean, we couldn't go anywhere. They're fighting, rolling around, rolling in the around. Yep. I'd have to. I'd like try to. I'd have to. I'd be driving and trying to hit them while I was. Yeah, driving. the first dad in yep. history that's yep. done the old. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. old monkey flip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quit yeah, rolling around back there. So they were always rolling around. But the worst. 
was when you know we had this we had this uh, you know apartment in Amsterdam, and so once again uh, Ben and Aaron were fighting, um, and all of a sudden I heard Aaron just start like oh no oh no so that I I ran you know we had a little two level apartment <laughs> and I ran upstairs and Ben. Uh, just had diarrhea all, all <laughs> over the all oh, over the purple no. vinyl floor. What? No. Yeah, and it was just like everywhere. No. I mean, okay. everywhere. <laughs> this all is over the purple diarrhea. vinyl floor. And I'm like, what that is up with this diarrhea. man? Oh. And it was so so bad. And so I love had that to, you just to said that on a public podcast. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. For, well, first yeah. of all, this this is a the <laughs> that's funny, what you get for having your dad on that's, your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, this is part of a long. Standing <laughs> argument that Aaron and I have had because what actually happened? Okay. First of all, we were young. It needs to be noted we weren't like teenagers. Oh no! Come on. Oh. So you're like twelve. Yeah. So we're like fifteen and thirteen. Yeah. Uh, and we had green carpet because our entire uh, bedroom. How old were you? I don't. What you tell me? I was like five, maybe. Well, I don't then know. just if you know, just say it. I don't. <laughs> Gosh, you're ridiculous. <laughs> and Aaron. Had had an accident on the green carpet. Uh, now, now Aaron, so Aaron to, had the accident. So, so in, 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 in classic around. defense te- like technique is to instantly shift blame, right? Nice. And you got to be careful when saying that because yep. it almost would have been a pun. <laughs> yep, um, <laughs> shift blame. <laughs> uh, and so immediately he deflected the story and said, "No, no, no! It is Ben who, in fact, boom boomed on the <laughs> boom boom." <laughs> <laughs> the purple vinyl on the floor. purple vinyl, yeah, yeah, yeah. which begs the larger question: <laughs> purple vinyl? Yeah, what kind of crack and, were you smoking? Yeah, well, yeah, but it's because what? your room had a jungle motif. Oh wow, purple it's vinyl. It's true. Jungle what does that have to do so with a jungle motif? Yeah, it was. Uh, remember, it was like all like yeah, but you had hip, kind of yeah. like kind of like psychedelic. No, it wasn't. And you're, that wow. proves that you have no idea what you're talking about. And the story is completely fallacious. No, it is not yeah. fallacious. I'd like to hear the rest of the Slender story. Slender and yeah, yeah, okay. so That is like basically, to. that's it. That's all so I want So Ben Boom Boom. Really? That's yeah, it? he's a, denied it to this day. Wow. Uh, that was a terrible story. <laughs> Yeah. Oh wow. Because you just because yeah. that's what happens. I mean, you know, getting a I father who lies. I think. I think. <laughs> what it, did you would, do? I think Ben needs to get that off his chest and confess yeah, yeah, just, to, to everyone just be, be what just he did. Clean about it. I can't. I can't tell no lie. That, that boom boom experience. <laughs> what did you? What did you do, David? Did you like? Well, I. I what told. Do you do when I you're bad kid, boy? When you're you poop What are you supposed to do? I. You know, I didn't want the neighbors to know. You scooped it up. So Why I, did you? I mean, scooped it was, up. Aaron beating you so hard that you... I don't know, but see, it's because everywhere. he has this a story, quote-unquote, which is just uh, one thought, and then he has to pad it out with, with details true. that make no sense. That's not the true. The whole thing about us fighting had nothing to do with the fact nice. that Aaron went boom-boom on the green carpet. <laughs> All right, I'm calling Aaron now. Let's figure yeah, this yeah, out. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that later. Anyway, <laughs> man, this is just digressed into just... Toilet yeah, humor and nonsense. <laughs> well, not toilet humor. humor. It's a real story, hey, and I, I think it has real right, consequences I'm going to read the Bible verse now. for you. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Yeah. So, um... This, I think, is a fitting end, even though uh, the passage starts with this, with, with kind of the thing that where this uh, theme is derived from. Um, but, but I end with this because I think it's so critical. You know, all these things that we have talked about that 
uh, will help us, will, will um, make us fruitful? How, how can we be the kind of person that makes a difference in the world? Well, we talked about needing to be in a community, needing to be unified. Uh, we talked about the idea that we need to be prepared for the difficult battle that it's going to be, that if we don't know we're in a battle, we're, we're not likely to survive or prepare or be ready. Um, and, and then we talked about being urgent that we don't have a lot of time and that we need to resist our selfishness. We need to resist uh, th- this hijacked, hijacked sense of eternity or just our for- forgetfulness and, and, and care and, and, and realize that, that time is short and the, the needs are great. Um, but in all of that, uh, you know, it's very important that, that Paul begins all of this with, with a sense of, um, well, actually, the author is, I guess, in dispute. So the author of this, this book um, begins all of this with, with with this idea that we we need to hold on to what right it's not just hold on to some random ideology it's hold on to the hope that we profess and why are we able to do that because he who promised is faithful and that's that's why we can do anything that's why we can even hope to have hope or make a difference is because of he who who we put our faith in because because he's faithful so what do you guys think about that? How, how does that sort of undergird everything that we've talked about in this, this entire series? It's, uh, it's almost impossible for me to envision or imagine Christians accomplishing any good for Jesus and with Jesus apart from hope. Uh, because if, if we don't have that at least as the core and sort of the, the starting point, the foundation, then I, I don't know how... I don't know how how believers would actually, or any of us, for the long haul, be able to to maintain and and um, and be sustained. Um, but hope changes everything, and and Jesus, you know, that that idea of of Christ, the hope of glory, living inside of us, is is so crazy to consider that I actually have hope inside of me that that ought to be coming out, you know, and ought to be flowing over and. Uh, I, I just, I don't know, I find so much uh, encouragement in the concept of hope and, um, and just what a beautiful gift it is from God. Well, what, ki- what kick-started that, that whole movement of urgency, of passion that the disciples had when they're going around spreading the word everywhere was that, that, that act of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And when Jesus comes back to life, it just... Um, brings on this new era of hope that had just been, you know, they'd never experienced anything like it. Yeah. I was just over Easter watching again that that movie uh, Risen. Mm-hmm. It's a pa- I, I, I really enjoy it. It's a powerful one, just showing, just thinking about what it would have been like to see the risen Jesus in those days before he went up to the Father again. And the thing that uh, I thought they portrayed well in the film was just this crazy hope that the disciples suddenly had. They're like, man, he defeated death. There's no more, I don't need to be afraid of anything anymore. I don't need to be afraid of death um, or, or, or of the death that's inside of me because he defeated it. And just that, that's what spurred them on. That's what gave them that sense of urgency, the desire to, to fight and do whatever it took to stick together. It was that hope that they saw when they saw the resurrected Jesus. And I think that's where that comes from. Well, and, and <clears throat> I think it comes from the fact that Yes, Jesus rose from the dead, but he's coming back for us and that this is not our future. You know, I think we need to fight to do to save as many people as God allows, you know, to tell as many people as we can about Jesus. And we need to, to be good citizens of the earth, but the earth is, is pe- going to pass away. And we need to, the fact that this isn't my future means I can live a radical life, but also is what gives me hope. 
And I think that the, the early church was so full of hope because they understood that this was their future and that Jesus said, I'm coming back for you and I'm going to take you to be with me. And so I think I need to really get that. I need to understand what it means that I am, a, I am not a citizen, but I'm a foreigner, that, I, that this is a, a temporary place that I am visiting, but this isn't my destiny. Because I think I, that's where the hope comes from. Yeah. yeah. I, and that gives the, the balance um, to the Christian life, yeah. the word that David doesn't yeah. like. You can't hijack because, that word. It's useful in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because you get something like Paul, who's so hardcore in saying, fight the good fight, and all the language we talked about in some of the other episodes about how, how intense he lived his life for Jesus, and yet he's constantly talking about joy. I rejoice, and like again, I say rejoice about this peace, this everlasting peace, this hope. So there, there's, there's this sense of, yes, urgency and fighting, but he's always talking about this everlasting peace and hope and joy that he has in Jesus. So he knows how to enjoy Jesus, right. how to have hope in but Jesus. He, he had this revelation of that. Right. Yeah. Right. right. But, yeah. but the, what for me that's so encouraging about this is, is there are a lot of passionate people in the world. You know, I think of Zach de la Rocha from Rage Against the Machine and a yeah. bit of an outdated um, example, but someone who's so filled with passion. And I think about all the things that we say that I, on some levels directed in, in towards his goals would probably make sense that you need to, you know, find people, like-minded people. You need to be urgent in your need. You know, you need to realize it's going to be a fight. I think a lot of it would be applied to maybe his ideology, but he doesn't have this hope, right? Mm -hmm. Deep down, you know, all these things that people are passionate about, those things are not delivering on their promises. And it's so beautiful how Paul says that that we hold on, not just arbitrarily, not to some man-made ideology. We hope we hold on to the hope we profess, and then he gives us the answer why. Why can we hold on to this hope? Because he who promised is faithful, right? And that's what's so amazing in the end. The reason why we can do any of this is because he who promised is faithful. He actually, you know, I heard it said that some people, they're, they're, they're good, um, but they don't have the power to deliver on their promises. Other people, they, they maybe can deliver on a promise, but they're not good, and so they're not going to give you what you need. God is, is not only has our best in, in mind, but he actually has the power to deliver. And how beautiful is that? How, how then can we have almost this whimsical lightheartedness, the, the, du- the duality of what you're talking about, how Paul was so fierce, and yet there seemed to be such joy and such, uh, like, just this lightheartedness also to him because he was so aware of, of, of the hope found in, in the one who is faithful, the one that promises. Yeah. That's so cool. My yeah, favorite um, hope passage is Romans eight twenty five, where Paul says, um, therefore, let us, um, uh, but if we hope for what we do not see, let us eagerly wait with expectation for it. And so just the, the idea that even if we don't see all of Poland coming to Jesus in the time that we think, that there's still is hope to eagerly wait for it and not just a passive like, well, I'm just going to, or some, some translations say to, to wait with expectation uh, that there's a ex- expectant heart in us, that God is moving, God's going to do something, he's going to intervene. Uh, you changes know, I, everything. I, I mean, I was, um, when we started out ministry in Amsterdam, I got really sick and uh, so I was in the hospital um, and I was, they didn't know if I was going to live or die because I got this infection inside, you know, like my intestines got all infected. And I was so weak, I felt like I was melting into my pillow and I could hardly speak. And I'm in this 
this this hospital and there's a bunch of other guys in these other beds that were a lot less sick than I was. And it wasn't because of any noble thing in me at all. Um, but I just found myself feeling bad that I couldn't tell them about Jesus, even though I was worse off than they were. But I knew that this wasn't it for me. You know what I mean? And it wasn't because I was trying to be um, brave or something. It's just, I just knew it, even though, because um, <clears throat> like this guy was in a bed next to me and, and uh, her, his wife was in the hospital at the same time and she had died. And so they, so they come in and they, they tell him, hey, your wife has died. And I so wanted to be able to talk to him. You know, he was just like broken. Here he's in the hospital and his wife had just died. And and I wanted to be able to tell him, you know, about Jesus and to comfort him. But I was so weak, I couldn't talk. So all I could do is lay there. And I listened to all these other guys in the beds around. And they, after a while, they just started making jokes. Because they had nothing. They couldn't say anything to comfort this guy. They had nothing in their world to give them in offer any hope to him right and it was such a sad thing to see and when we really know jesus we can that's that's what's so amazing is it's not just some some emotional hope but it's something really real right and that that's ultimately the basis of our strength and our joy is our hope right and and i mean first peter 3:15 says be prepared to defend the hope that is in you right and i find that so profound because if you look at the secular perspective it's very grim, you know, kind of looking at your example, when faced with the worst of life, if you're a secular humanist, if all you have are molecules in motion and time plus matter plus chance and right. there's no purpose and no ultimate meaning, how do you have any resiliency in the face of the, the hardest moments, right? Because ultimately, most people kind of ha- live in this two-storied, you know, Francis Schaeffer idea where they, they, they kind of have this this the secular humanism but then they borrow from theism to kind of have the transcendent because it's convenient right. when you look at life to be able to say no that's actually really beautiful that that's not just like meaninglessness or there really is right or wrong or man there is something there is some justice or hope um and and you know so it's a very grim perspective when you look at the secular way of viewing things by contrast man we have this incredible resiliency and there are so many stories you know i think of cory ten boom you know the the, the Dutch woman, you know, her and her family sheltered Jews um, when the Nazis were coming and rounding them up. And the Jews, many of the Jews that they, they hid survived, but her and her family got carted off and, and her sister died and she survived. And um, she had, you know, of course, went through this horrible, horrible time. And years later, she talks about how she met one of the cruelest guards at that camp. And, and how at this conference that she spoke at, you imagine one of the cruelest, most sadistic guards at this camp that she was in, that her sister died in. And, and this, the guy came up to her and he said, you know, I've been praying my whole life since this, mo- since this moment. I've become a believer that I would be able to meet someone from that camp and ask for forgiveness. And it talks about how she just wrestled. And, but then she was able to, to take his hand and say, I completely forgive you. You know, and as you're reading something like that, you go, how how can someone from a secular perspective explain that kind of resilience in the face of evil, that kind of capacity for love and capacity for forgiveness 
we have a profound, deep hope that the world should notice and that, that is the basis for, for doing anything in the first place, right? And it's just like the other things we talked about in the other episodes. It's not something that we can draw from ourselves. And the point you're making there, secular humanism can't conjure that up because it doesn't come from, from us, from, from, from human nature. It's something that needs to be revealed. You said that, David. It's a revelation. And I think that understanding that the hope and the joy and the peace that we have in Jesus is also something that needs to be revealed to us helps us to realize that there's more than probably what we're aware of right now and where we're at in our walks with Jesus. There's a lot more to understand about how fulfilled and how satisfied we can be in Jesus and how much hope we can have in him. And, and for that reason, just in the same way as we've said, we need to seek God with all our hearts so that we can know the urgency, so that we can live in community, so that we can fight the good fight. We need to, in the same way, seek after him passionately to understand truly and fully that hope and to, and to really uh, have that be what satisfies us. And I think um, recently you did a post, Ben, on uh, Facebook about, uh, you quoted one of C.S. Lewis's um, things that's really interesting. It's one I, I really love as well. That's about how we're too easily satisfied. How as human, human beings, we're, we're too easily, um, we, sat, we settle for too little. And so the, the hope or the joy that we think we find in this world, we settle for it too quickly and too easily. And we don't even realize what we have in Jesus, what, what we could have. And we don't, we don't go after it. We don't seek it more. So I think there's a lot more um, of that, that hope and that joy for us to look for, mm. for us to go after. So let, let me ask this question, Chad. It, what, like a lot of what we talk about is, is very action-oriented. It's very missional. It's, it's focused on a cause. Um, what would you say are the consequences of someone that doesn't get this part right? So, so they're, they're, all of these things that they're trying to do are, are detached from that profound hope. Do you see that as being a problem? And what do you think the consequences of that are? Well, it's maybe some of the scariest verses in the Bible are directed towards seemingly fruitful, charismatic Christians. So right. the, the idea right. of, of Jesus, I, I delivered people from demons. I, I, I healed, I prophesied, I did all these amazing things. Great signs things, and wonders. Great signs and wonders that most likely all of us would look and go, that is incredible. And yet Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. So clearly, uh, any, anything we do for Jesus, even the great signs and wonders, apart from a relationship of intimacy, it is nothing at all, and, uh, and actually worse than nothing. So I think that it, it has to come back to this hope that is rooted in the idea that, that Jesus cares for me, and he loves me, and desires me regardless of whether or not I am doing <laughs> even the right things. Of, although, of course, he calls us into obedience, and following him, and, and being Jesus everywhere we go, and all that, but it, it all comes from a place of Jesus is authoring this. I'm not, though, like, I, I'm just kind of, I'm just here, and so, this is happening, and it's not because I set on, you know, put on the, the like, helmet of I'm just going to make it happen, though there are times where, okay, Lord, I just need to be really committed and do this. Um, and I think, like, if, if you say, God, I need you to, to show me how you feel about me, you know, I, yeah. I think that's important. I need it, and that needs, and he will, you know, just ask him, how, how do you feel about me? I had kind of, this is, I don't, I don't want to tell the story, but I will because you'll think I'm 
too too much like a, a girl, but um, <laughs> I was walking. <laughs> okay. I was walking on. The, I was walk. I was back in New Zealand. And I was walking on the beach. Okay, got it. If, and uh, <laughs> you got so, it already. Yeah, yeah. The girl part. Walking on the beach. Got it. No, that's not <laughs> the point. Anyway, so walk on the beach. So I'm, walk, I'm walking on the beach, and uh, I saw this this uh, seagull. He was just like dead, laying in the sand. Wow. And I, I just thought. That's really sad, you know. There's this seagull, you know, and he's he's just laying dead in the sand, you know, and it just seemed kind of sad that he's just like, Ow. you know what I mean? There's yeah. like no. Yeah, Captain Over-Illustration, yes, the seagull was dead, and it was sad. Carry on. Captain Over-Illustration. So, so I'm like looking at it, and I, and I felt like God said to me, I care about that bird. I care hmm. that he he's laying there in the sand, and I... Think how much more I care about you, and it was it was really huh. profound. Yeah, and and I think we need to get that. We need to understand how much He loves us. We, you know, not just He loves me. You know, I need to. But when I at, and and so if you're listening to this, yeah. you know, I encourage you to say, "How do you feel about me, Lord? How do you feel about me? What you know? I can hear this stuff over and over again, and it can just be like this slogan." that I've heard a million times, but I need a revelation of this love. And that is where the hope comes from. When I understand that the creator of the universe, the one who holds, who is, who is so immense, so powerful, who knows everything about me, the good, the bad, everything about me, and his love for me is unfathomable. Yeah. Where he even loves that dead bird on the beach, you know what yeah. I mean, and cares about that bird. How much more does he care about me? Yeah. And I, I you know, for me, the for a long time, God will kind of put, themes on my heart that I'll find myself praying through for a long time. And not that this is some big revelation, but the whole idea of the vine and the branch was on my mind and continues to be on my mind for so long. And and that is that none of what we talk about, again, like I said, we are so action oriented and maybe you could even feel maybe inadvertently, you can listen to this and feel this pressure that the response, the proper response uh, to all that we say is to rush out and do more. What I think you would fail to understand is that we are we are desperately aware that that it starts with our relationship with Jesus that that what what gives me any life what gives me any value what the reason why I'm able to do anything is because I am connected to the vine right and and any fruit that I produce is simply an extension of what I'm connected to and 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 I am I am so aware that that my life needs to be far more about who I'm becoming than what I'm doing and that it has to start in that place and so you know, we get on here and we rant about do this and do this and be bold and be courageous and speak and don't compromise. And all of that is true, but we'd be remiss to not remind you that, that it is built on a foundation of, of seeking God, of that intimate, private world, of that, that deep, profound hope that, that, that goes beyond a cursory understanding of, of, of something like he who promised is faithful. Right? You think about all the incredible promises in Scripture do you really believe that? Like you said, do you have a personal understanding that the God of the universe knows you, cares about you, loves you, that when he sees you, he sees his son, not as, as who you are becoming, but as you are, right? That, that he died knowing all of your nonsense, all of the things that he knows I didn't only do, but that I will continue to do in my obstinance and stubbornness. He knows me, you know, the way I look at my, at my two-year-old son and I can't even put words i can't use enough words to describe how much i love this little life this little boy and and that is nothing that is such a sinful myopic 
speck of love compared to how God feels about us. And so don't hear this in a rush to the doing. If anything, let this drive you to your knees and, 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 and ask that God would give you this, give this, this revelation of how much he loves you because that's where it starts. It, it's an overflowing out of a deep awareness of the, the profound love that he has for us. And from there, then we do all this stuff, but that's the source. And when we're out there, you know, doing all these different things, all the more we need that awareness of that hope and that peace, you know, all the more when you're in the, in the depth of it, when you're struggling, when there's, when it's hard times, when you're in the fight, um, you have to, we have to keep, that's why you're saying, you know, be connected to the vine because you have to keep stopping and going back to it and keep, um, at the end of the day going, you know, Jesus, I can't do this without you and I need that hope. Yeah. And this is a, this is a cruel game detached from the hope of God. Yeah. You know, this Christian culture thing, I think a lot of people have been very hurt by a hopeless, loveless Christian culture, whether, and again, I, I'm not creating a victim mentality here, but I think that a lot of people have entered into this Christian thing apart from that profound hope found in Christ. And so then it's become this burdensome, like l- religious legal thing that just tells them you're not preaching enough. You're not doing enough. And it's detached from the hope. It's not a, it's not that, you, you know, Jesus says, take up the cross, but he also says, my yoke won't break you. And I'll give you rest for your soul. Yeah. So how can you take up the cross? And if we understand what the cross is, right. And at the same time, he says that his yoke will not break us. And I think that's, that's why. Right. And he doesn't just say, lose your life for my sake. Peace. He says, lose my, you, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find, find it. Find real life. There's hope. True life. Right? And, yeah. and so much, even of my understanding of, and this is maybe getting a bit off topic, but even my understanding of sin has been so radically changed over the last several years, where it's like, when you start to understand God, when he really is a faithful promiser, <laughs> gift giver, then you have this perspective of like, God isn't trying to limit me. God isn't trying to hurt me. God is such a good dad that... that I should want every ounce of his design for me, right? Everything, every part of what he says for me to do, every way he asks for me to live is for my good, is for my thriving, is for my joy. Um, And and, and so when you have that, that intimate relationship with God, then it doesn't become, you know, like how much should I have to do to earn God's love or, or how can I also do kind of this other stuff that I enjoy? It becomes this, like this beautiful relationship where you say, God, I trust you. And and there's nothing in me that 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 I'd rather control. So so whatever, have at it because I fully surrender to you, and that is a, an amazing, peaceful place to be. Yeah. So and anyway, I, I I don't know if there's necessarily more to add to this, other than to say if the, if you're in a season of doubt, if you're in a season where maybe you resonate with the action of what we're saying when you feel even that compulsion, but if you're feeling dry and 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 empty and disconnected i would say stop i would say in fact don't do more say god i you know lock yourself in a room and say god i want to know you not as a subject or or a religion or a cultural club but as a dad and 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 start there because i think if we would make that the focus then the other stuff just kind of becomes yeah, an extension flows. of our relationship with god when you say mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well chad in the customary way would you end this series? I kind of hope David would end the series. David, no, Chad has in to. the customary oh, way. Oh, Luke, in the customary way. <laughs> uh, One of you. For right, the let's one. go Korean style. Now, Jesus, um, we do pray for mm. each of us that are feeling 
disconnected from you, we're maybe feeling discouraged, we're maybe feeling depressed or hopeless or like the burden of Christianity in a world that is shifting and culturally so heavy right now is more than we can bear. Um, God, we do pray that you would allow us to, to meet you, that we would, in, in that space, like Ben said, just go into our rooms and, or get into a quiet space with you and, and just begin to pour out our hearts to you, but also to receive your heart poured out for us. So thank you, Jesus, that um, once we are in you, we become saints that occasionally sin and not sinners that occasionally saint. Um, so thank you for grace in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This has been the Hold Fast, Fight Hard, Stick Together series. Um, (laughs) It's been awesome. Like, it's been tiring, but I think it's been great, too. And I I don't know about you guys, but I've really felt God move through this. So if you're listening to this, I don't know where you are. Maybe you're halfway through the third one. Maybe you're partway through the first one. Maybe you're midway through the fourth one, (laughs) circling back to the second one. Either way, uh, we would really hope you'd listen to this in its totality. We have Charlie over there doing an excellent job behind the camera. We have Jake over there with the knobs, the dials, and the the buttons. Uh, We are in this amazing music box theater. This has been a privilege to be a part of. Go to comeandlive.com for all the information about who we are, steiger.org, to join our mission. Uh, Check out this podcast on all of our social media. On iTunes, search Provoke and Inspire. And really, in all seriousness, We need you to take this voice farther than we can take it. And I really believe in this message. And if you do too, would you uh, subscribe, rate, and review? But more importantly, would you share this with someone who needs this message? Uh, And and we hope that it would be an encouragement um, as it's been an encouragement to us. So thanks for listening. Stay real. And remember the four R's. David? Love, laugh, levitate. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.